as uh, Morag said, um, we're beginning a series um, this week about tuning in to God. The truth is that when you start reading the Bible, you don't go very far before it becomes very clear that God is a speaking God. He's a God who speaks to ordinary people. You only have to read into the third chapter of the very first book, and with Adam and Eve, God coming and going, where are you? What are you doing? And a conversation begins. And actually, from the beginning of Genesis all the way through to the end of Revelation, it's kind of like, this is what God's like. It's not as though God winds up the world and sets it going and watches on from a distance, as someone famously sang. It's not as though you and I are desperately just sort of offering prayers and hopes and best wishes and God going, yeah, okay, I've got that. But the, and, and I know you know this, but it's kind of like from the beginning, the God of the Bible is the God of relationship. A God who does speak. And, and as I said, you can't go very far in the Bible before you realize that. And yet, the reality is for most of us, we find it really difficult to hear. We find it really difficult to make sense. We go through perhaps weeks, months, sometimes years of going, I think God's gone off me. He doesn't seem to be speaking. And I kind of want to spend some time together asking, well, how might we tune in and how might God speak? The brilliant thing about you is there's no one else like you. You are wonderfully unique. And the way you think and the way you uh, perceive things and the way you will hear God will be very different from them, the person sitting next to you. Because God knows you and wants to speak to you. So through this series, we're going to do a, a range of things where we go, well, okay, so how? How might that happen? And we're going to try and make it as practical as possible. So we're not going to just say every week, God speaks, what's wrong with you? Because that's not helpful, is it? That makes you feel worse. But what we're going to do week by week, hopefully, is try and help you think, well, how? How does that happen? It starts with... A desire. As a church, uh, a couple of years ago, we put together this bit of a mouthful, but it's actually about four things, which we wanted to say, this is who we are as a church. There's lots of things that we're not in control of about as a church, but there's some things that we can say, this is who we are. We're a growing community of whole life disciples, people who live out their faith day by day, who are alert to God's leading, pay careful attention to one another in the moment we're in so that we can be good news to those around us. We want to be attentive to one another. We want to listen to one another. We want to know one another well. But we also want to be alert to God and his leading. Let me just try and take this out of the pocket so it doesn't keep on doing that. We want to be alert to God. 
We want to be aware of what God's saying to us as a church. And in a sense, what I want to say is it's not down to half a dozen people to be alert to God. We need all of you to be alert to God. Which is why, at the end of the sermon, there will be a moment where we will ask, what do you think God's saying to us? And we'll just open the floor, as it were. We'll give the microphone. And you can say, I think this is what God's saying. Which is why, if you're watching online, we would love you to do that. But you might need to begin to think about that during the sermon, and even text during the sermon, so that when we get to that point, you're not sort of behind. So in a sense, what we do when we come to church is, I think we do a form of at least double listening. So the double listening is this. On the one hand, what (laughs) I persuade myself is that you listen to what's being said here really attentively. Like, I'll never forget. And you're doing that listening. We're listening to one another But then we're doing a double listening because we're trying to work out what God's saying. Now, there are some weeks when you listen and you go, wow, that just hit the spot. But there's other times where it's kind of like, okay, Lord, so what's really significant to us today? And as I said, this is not something just for half a dozen people who are special. This is a church thing. It's a whole church thing. Because God is a communicating God. We're going to read from John 14. Um, Helen's going to come and read for us. Where's the microphone gone? Oh, here we go. And we'll put it on the screen so you can read along with us. Thank you. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I live with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Thanks, Helen. It was uh, Jesus speaking to his disciples just before he prepares 
for the final action, which is, of course, the death and resurrection. The passage begins with, if you love me, you will keep my commands. If you love me, then you'll keep my commands. If you're sure that Jesus is the only way to life, the only one who makes sense of life, the only one who can see life clearly, if you think that's Jesus and that Jesus' commands about how to live are true, then if you love him, you will keep his commands. What are his commands? About forgiveness about compassion, about love, about service. If you love him, you'll want to act this out in your daily life. And of course, on the one hand, in world generally, we find that difficult because the idea of being obedient isn't always well heard. It's kind of like, no, I'd rather do my own thing. Except those of you that decided on, I don't know, January 3rd, that probably this was the year where Slimming World was a good idea. We'll go to Slimming World, so I'm told, and we'll be told, these are the foods that are really good for you and these are the foods that you need to be careful with. And you will listen to people telling you how great they feel because they've lost some weight. They'll tell you their stories and encourage you, but someone will say, This is how to eat. And you will find it easier. Those of you that decide to go to the gym, if you are just left to your own devices, you'll wander around aimlessly, which is what I've often done in the gym. But what you need is a trainer who comes and goes, this is what you need to do. Those of you that trained for your job they didn't say just turn up and get on with it they apprenticed you in other words someone showed you how to live if you love Jesus you'll do that because you know it's the only way there's nothing worse is there than turning up to a new job and being told get on with it, and no one tells you what to do. You can just feel completely lost. Well, it's the same with life. Jesus comes and goes, I'll show you how to live, and if you love me, then follow my way. And he says to his disciples, I'm going to go, but you are going to continue. Now, this is how we train people. We say to adults, we'll give you three years, on the whole, of adult education. Um, We'll send you away to a university, and uh, you'll do three years. You'll get some experience of learning alongside one another, and you might get some field experience. In other words, you'll go and experience stuff in the location that you want to serve in. We'll teach you and we'll ask you to memorize some of that so you can tell us in an exam what you've learned. We'll do experiential learning and we'll give you time to reflect and then you go. 
Jesus didn't do that. There were elements of it, but what Jesus does, he says, I'm not going to just tell you what the Christianity is about, what it means to follow me, and off you go. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a promise. And the promise is this. I will not leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. That language of orphans is, is quite poignant, isn't it? The language of orphans of someone who's undefended, someone who is alone. And Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you like that because I know, Jesus says, if I left you like that, you would not be able to keep going. But I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to send you. And the Greek word is paraclete. Now, depending on the Bible you read, there'll be any number of different words to explain and translate that word. So the word we heard uh, Helen say was advocate. An advocate is someone who speaks for you. That's in Liverpool. Solicitors and advocates. Someone who will stand ready to speak for you. Someone in court. An advocate, though, is a mum with a toddler. You know, if you've got a toddler or if you've had toddlers, you know that time where they sort of they've gone from babbling and they're learning to speak, but they're not very clear, except to you. And somehow you can understand them and you then tell other people. So, you know, someone like me might come up to your toddler and go, you know, how are you doing? Da, 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 da. And they start babbling and I have no idea what they're talking about. And you as a parent will go, oh, she means this. At that point, you're an advocate. You're speaking, you're explaining what's trying to be said. A teacher with a pupil who's struggling is an advocate. They stand up for them. They explain why they're struggling. This is what the Spirit does with you. The Spirit understands you. And Jesus says, I'll send you an advocate. Or a comforter is another way of explaining it. Or a helper or a defender. This is how committed God is to you. That he does not expect you to live this Christian life on your own, doing the best you can. But the Spirit comes, and he's so close that Jesus will say, it's like, I'm in my Father, my Father's in me, and you are in me. That's how committed God is to us. How did it happen? Well, in John's gospel, the 11 disciples were huddled together after Jesus was crucified and they were frightened to death. And Jesus comes through the locked doors and breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, 120 of them were gathered together praying and the Spirit comes upon them and they have a new confidence and a new vitality of life. Because the Spirit is now at work in them. What did Jesus promise his disciples? 
He says, when the advocate, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, what will he do? He will teach you all things. He will remind you of everything I've said to you. And then in chapter 16, a part we didn't read, he says this, Jesus. When he, the spirit of truth, comes, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what's yet to come. Three things the spirit wants to do for the disciples. Number one, teach you all things. Why? Because the disciples would find themselves in new situations where they didn't know what to do. How do you work it out? We've never been here before. Suddenly, in the book of Acts, Gentiles are getting saved. We've never been here before. We don't know what to do. What's the Spirit going to do? The Spirit's going to teach you because you've not been here before. He's going to remind you what Jesus has said at the right moment. Those of you that know the Bible a bit better because you've been around a bit longer, do you remember where Jesus says to the disciples, they will take you and they'll put you in front of the court and you'll have to defend yourself. But don't worry because I will speak through you. I will remind you of all the things you've heard. And then Jesus says to his disciples, The Spirit will tell you what's to come. Well, what I want to say this morning is really simple, and it's this. For every one of us, there's more. For some people, being a Christian is kind of cultural. You know, it's the sort of thing where you go to a hospital and say, what religion are you? And you put C of E. All right, you may never have been C of E, but it's just C of E. Cultural. It's kind of those people who go, I was born in Britain, therefore I'm a Christian. And there's a sense in which our country and our culture has been built upon the Judaistic and the Christian foundations. There's a non-Christian called Tom Holland, who wrote a brilliant book last year called Dominion. And uh, he's not a, a professing Christian, but what he says is everything about our country that's good comes out of Christianity. The reason that we have courts that work the way they do is due to a Christian influence that goes all the way back. I really, it's, it's not an easy book to read, but it's really beneficial for work through. It's called Dominion. There's something about our country that actually does reflect the culture of Christianity. But there's more than that. There's something about understanding the Christian faith. You know, for some folk who go on courses like Alpha, they go with a whole bunch of questions. And there are answers to the questions. And for some people, they find those answers really compelling. And they come away from Alpha or a course like Alpha going, okay, so now I understand. But just having head knowledge, there's more than that. You see, you can be kind of persuaded by the general truths of Christianity, but actually your heart can still be a long way away. 
there's experience. There is a dynamic living relationship with the God who interacts with us. And I don't have to persuade many of you of that. But the top line, there's more, is one that I keep having to tell myself. Because it's easy to settle for what you've had. It's easy to settle for where you are. It's easy to settle for the experiences you've had, for the information you've got, for the way you live. And God always says to all his people is, come in, further in, further up. There's more. There's more than you've yet experienced. There's more than you know. There's more on offer. And the invitation that God gives us is, come closer. So what will God do? God promises that he will teach you. You're in workplaces, you're in complicated family situations, you're in relationship groups that are not always simple. And it's not always easy to know what the right thing to do is. And it's not always straightforward to go, well, you just do that. People who are not part of that circle with you, they might just say, well, all you need to do is this. And you know it's not that simple. What's the Spirit promising? I'll come close to you. And I'll teach you how to do life there. Because you've not been here before. But I'll teach you. I'll remind you in those moments that are really stressful, in the tricky moments, I'll remind you what I've said and you will know it. It's great when it happens, isn't it? It's great when the light bulb goes on. It's great when you feel, yes, of course. I want that more and more. I'll remind you. And then that third promise, I'll tell you what's yet to come. You'll be prepared. Because I'm going to tell you what's ahead. It's like I'm going to give you spiritual antennae that are slightly more attuned. I'm going to give you that sense of an intuition, you might call it, of I think we need to prepare for that. I'm going to give you a sense of are you ready? Because the Spirit is going to speak and tell you. He's going to give you impressions so you will be ready. So you'll know what to do. Because God's going to speak. Does that sound like good news? So in the passage we've read, What is Jesus saying? This is a paraphrase. Do not be afraid. I am with you. And I will be with you. Listen to me. Put into practice the things you've learnt. Don't cling on to your own agenda. Which will prevent me from living and acting in and through you. Let yourselves be guided 
by the Holy Spirit living in you. And I will be with you and you will know my peace. Listening to God is not technique. Essentially, it's relationship. It's about being closer. It's about not being afraid. It's about putting into practice what you know. It's, not a, it's about letting go the things that you feel are the most important things. And it's allowing yourself to be guided. This is the promise given to disciples. The last thing I want to say is this. All of these promises were given to 12 disciples. One of whom would betray Jesus one of whom would deny Jesus, one of whom would doubt that Jesus could do what he wanted to do, some of whom decided once Jesus had died, let's just go back to the old ways. In other words, Jesus promises this not to stars, but he promises it to people who often get it wrong. People like you and me. This is what it means to be attuned to God. I'm going to ask the band to come back. And they're going to, I'm going to ask them to play uh, the song they've got and to sing it. But for us, not necessarily that you join in with it. And as they're playing and singing, I want you to do two things. What do you think God wants to say to you, particularly you, specifically you, that's really important? What's God reminding you of? What's he inviting you to? And what might God be saying to us? So as they sing that song, it's that twin thing. What's God saying to you? And what might God be saying to us? So you get some space and you get some time. have sent some stuff through like Esther who Jill says like Esther who reproaches the king with her heart and her mouth full of fear but like the king God holds out his scepter to allow us to approach and make outrageous requests and he raises the bar of what we expect even higher David and Beth I choose to believe that God is the defender of the weak and our strong deliverer. God is greater than our circumstances. Ben, God's ability to work through people is not based on their talent, 
but on their availability. About raising expectation, daring to ask for more, believing that God is the strength and our protector. Knowing that the way he uses us is not because of our brilliant talent, but because people make themselves available. I wonder what you feel God might be reminding of us of this morning. I'm going to invite you to come and use the microphone so people can see. If you're really nervous, raise your hand and I'll come to you. But if you're, if you're okay about this, then come to the front and uh, speak from the front. But if you're nervous, then just raise your hand and I'll come to you. But if you're not, then come. Yeah. everyone um, I just feel like God is saying to us we don't have to have it all together for him to use us and we should not let our shortcomings hinder him from hinder us from for pressing into more but there is more for us to experience it's about us progressing about us growing and not about us being perfect thank you Mark thanks Anita this idea of being open being willing to receive go on Mark I think that God is saying to us that during this time of COVID, he's actually presenting us the biggest opportunity the church has had in 70, 80 years. When things get darker, the church shines brighter. And I think it's the genuineness of our faith when everything around doesn't look so good. But actually, as the verse said, because he lives, we live in him. And we can offer that life and offer that comfort to people around. Thanks, Mark. Anybody else? God's reminding me. Anybody else? What would God want to say to us? It's felt in my heart this morning that God will say to us that it's not where we are that we have to focus on, but it's on who we are. We find ourselves in different circumstances each week and different, alongside different folks. And sometimes we can judge, judge things by where we are and the situation that we're in today. But God says actually it's who you are that's important, that you are a child of God, that you are in relationship with him. And that doesn't change, that doesn't alter wherever you are or whatever you find yourself or situation you find yourself in. It's who you are that's important and not where you are. And who we are <coughs> is in Christ, and Christ is our advocate, and I believe that he's asking us to be an advocate for those people around us, to bring them to the throne of God, that we can pray and ask for him to change their circumstances. 
Thank you, Yvonne. Anybody else? Yeah, surely. I just thought God was saying, I have boundless treasures to give to you. When the world clamors around you and you feel hemmed in and nowhere to go, just open that door of silence and I will be there waiting and I will convey to you as a church, as a people, all that you need to move on. Thanks, Shirley. I was reminded as when you spoke, Neil, about um, Jesus said, you know, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. About after his resurrection, after Peter had failed him so badly and felt probably so awful about denying Jesus, Jesus comes to meet with him, doesn't he, on the beach, cooks him breakfast and says, do you love me? And Peter says, yeah, I love you. Of course you know I love you. And then, like Yvonne just said, he says, well, go and do something about it. Go and feed my sheep. Go and put it into practice. And then he says again, do you love me, Peter? Peter says, yeah, I love you. Well, go and feed my lambs then. Go and put my commands, if you like, into practice. And then the third time he says it, doesn't he? Peter, do you love me? And Peter's offended. Peter's upset that he's had to ask him three times. And he says, Jesus, you know I love you. And I don't know, I just felt like it was just a really simple reminder this morning that all Jesus is asking of us is to love him. It's a really, it can sound quite trite, that, can't it? But that's where the relationship, that's the, the core of our relationship with God, is it? Do we love God? And if you're anything like me, there's times when you think, God, I don't, I'm not sure I love you like I want to love you. I want to love you more. But that's where the advocate comes in, isn't it? Somebody once said, it takes God to love God. It takes God in your life to love God back. So just to encourage you today that Jesus does say, do you love me? But he also gives you the means by which to love him more, by his Holy Spirit. Hello, everyone. Uh, I want to do, say something. The thing I know is that God is stick to his word. And I want to tell to everyone, don't be shy. Don't be afraid to tell people that you belong to God. And we are seeing the world is struggling and in darkness they don't they don't have any answer. So you have to be bold, to be proud of to be a son of God and tell them they need to follow the light. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the world. Don't be afraid. God will do something great in this church. And I promise. Okay, so how do we make sense of all the little bits of things you've heard? There's something for you. There's something about your own position before God this morning, of being open to him, of being in a context where you're going, okay, Lord, come, fill me again. There is more. And I don't really mind whether you've been walking on the path for 50 years or for five weeks. There's more. 
And it's kind of like, okay, Lord, please come. Fill me again. And then, of course, there's the reality of, now go and serve the Lord. He will remind you. He will tell you what to say. He'll give you the words. You will be prepared. You will not feel confident enough, but he is the one who gives you everything you need for the confidence that you will have. We're going to sing perhaps one or two more songs. If you know that before you go home, you kind of need to do some business with God, then come down into the side chapel and let people pray with you that you would know more. For you that need confidence, come to the side chapel, let people pray with you that you would know more. Come and receive what God has for you this morning. Thanks, Ian.